Recipes for Grief, Heartfelt Storytelling for Feely Foodies. I'm your host, Andrea Sexton Dumas. Welcome back to the Recipes for Grief podcast, Kitchen Table Talk. Today, I will be sharing with you the Milk Line Rolls story, also known as the Roll Story. If you remember back to our first episode, I shared with you all how I came to even start this podcast, which was through looking for a recipe or rather trying to recreate a recipe for dinner rolls during the grieving process after my fertility journey ended unsuccessfully. I've been holding back y'all. I've been nervous to share this story because it is so intimate and personal. So we're going to ease into this story. We're actually going to start off with a couple appetizers. I would like to share with you why I'm telling this story because that's also a part of the story. When interviewing a guest for this podcast, I start by asking them how they've been sleeping recently. So that's where I will start today. I've been sleeping okay, not great, and not always through the night. And I definitely have not been having a lot of dreams recently. Dreaming is a huge part of my nightlife and it definitely ebbs and flows. But I did have a couple dreams this week that feel incredibly relevant to all that I'm sharing today. Before we even get into those dreams, I'd like to share with you that one of my aunts, Aunt Margaret, passed away this month and her funeral was six days ago. Aunt Margaret is a pretty integral part of this story because the roles that I have been trying to recreate are in fact Aunt Margaret's mother-in-law's roles. And the people who helped me develop this recipe are Aunt Margaret's daughters and her granddaughter. So Aunt Margaret's funeral was on Monday and she was the last remaining child of my grandparents. My dad had 11 brothers and sisters who were born, one sibling who never made it out of pregnancy, and that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage for my grandmother. And earlier this month, my Aunt Margaret died on the anniversary of her father's death. And at this funeral, my whole family came out. There were representatives from every faction, from every silo, from every corner of the family. And even though there were plenty of people who were not able to make it to the funeral, they sent representatives, someone to stand in for their corner of the family. And it felt really important that we were all together. 
I could probably talk about my family and funerals for an entire episode. So we're going to bookmark that for now. But I will share with you an exchange that I had with one of my cousins. Her son recently graduated from college as a pilot. And she shared with me that her son was a miracle baby. She was deemed infertile and was told that she would not be able to have kids. She relied on her faith to get through that experience. And in fact, she did get her miracle baby. During that exchange, I could feel my jaw clenching. And I said nothing to my cousin about my own experience. This is important for a couple different reasons. Number one, infertility actually runs in our family. And we have quite a few cousins who have had severe reproductive issues, including endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, etc. Many of my cousins and aunts have had hysterectomies and had incredibly painful periods when they were menstruating. And up until recently, this really hasn't been talked about very much. It was when I started telling the relatives who I'm closest with about what was happening with me that they shared what they had gone through. And even when I posted on IG about my hysterectomy, more cousins started reaching out to me, extended cousins, my grandmother's sister's children and grandchildren started reaching out to me to tell me about their fertility journeys as well as their hysterectomies. But in the moment talking with my cousin at the funeral, I couldn't say anything. That night I had a dream. In this dream, I was trying to get dressed for an event and someone there, perhaps just a voice was asking me, how do you feel? And perhaps you can choose your outfit for today based on how you feel. And so I said, well, I feel haunted, which I think is pretty accurate. I definitely feel very connected to my beloved relatives on the other side. I am an animist, so I feel very connected to all of life around me. But even as I said, I felt haunted. When I looked at the clothes in my closet in this dream, all of my clothes were party clothes. Short skirts, sequins, tank tops, heels. I'm ready to get it in. And that wasn't matching with how I was feeling. I didn't feel like wearing a clubbing outfit, but that was all in, that was in fact all that I had. What's interesting is that last year, we had two family funerals for two of my father's other siblings who died. They died about a month and a half apart. And at one of those funerals, another cousin says to me, you know, Andrea, you're just always so chipper. Oh boy. I don't think she realized what an insult that was to me, but it, it has stayed with me because I don't see myself as a chipper person. But like the dream that I had this week, how I feel is perhaps not being represented by the way that I present myself to the outside world. It's true that I am often a voice of positivity. I often center beauty in my conversations. I'm big on joy. 
I love to laugh. And perhaps what I'm not sharing with people is that a part of the reason why I center joy and laughter so much in my life is because I am so griefy and I do feel haunted. Well, last night I had another dream. Yesterday in waking life, I was texting with a friend, thanking her for recommending the dentist that we now see. And in a couple of days, I've got some dental work to be done. So in my dream last night, I was at the dental office. They were removing old fillings with the intent to refill them, which is actually what will be happening in a couple of days. But in the dream, when I looked in the mirror with my mouth open, I had been given new gums and I actually could see little metal pieces sticking out of those new gums that were going to be partial dentures. So not only did I have new gums, but I was also getting new teeth. So here we are today. I'm bumping my gums with y'all on the microphone. I'm going to tell this story that has quite a bit of magic and beauty to it. And actually, I'll be semi-reading this story, Milk Line Rolls, to you. I wrote this two years ago. The text is on my website, but the most important part of this entire story is what I have left out. But after the events of this week, while biting my own tongue in conversation with my cousin about her fertility experience, dreaming that I might be misrepresenting myself in the world, showing only the shiny, glittery parts. It feels very important for me to tell the whole story, or at least begin to. In September of 2019, four years ago, I had a cyst rupture. I was in the emergency room for several hours while they were doing tests to figure out exactly why I was in such pain. And that's when they discovered the ruptured cyst. I had emergency surgery. And interestingly enough, I also had a lung disease that they discovered during this process, cryptococcus. After surgery, during my follow-up appointment, the surgeon was showing me pictures and pointed out these little lesions all over my uterus and said, oh, well, that's the endometrium. And I had kind of heard that word before, but I didn't quite know what she was talking about. So I, I asked her for more details and she said, well, you know, when you have endometriosis, you have these growths. So I'm 40 years old, having had painful periods since I was 13. And for the first time in my life, someone says to me, you have endometriosis. Because of the lung issue that I was also having, I was put on some pretty toxic drugs. And what happened with my period was that everything got worse. My husband and I had been planning on getting pregnant. That had to be put on pause due to these toxic drugs for my lungs. Then of course, COVID came just a few months later. And truth be told, well, we started late. For many, many years, I did not want to have kids. And at some point along the way, I changed my mind. I don't ever talk about this outside of my closest relationships. 
but I have a lot of shame about changing my mind. I don't know how long I was infertile. I don't know how the endometriosis progressed. I also don't know a lot about my mother's menstrual cycle and reproductive system because my mother was disabled and the doctor at the convalescent home was not paying attention to those things. Starting so late is a place of responsibility that I have to own. And that just makes me feel really bummed out for lack of better words. So as I share this Milkline story with you, and as I mentioned, I will mostly be reading it. I will definitely be going off script sometimes. I will be reading to you some journal entries and I might even just have to ad lib. All of this is underscored by severe menstrual cramping. This story starts one week after my infertility journey ended. I had been taking hormones to help the intrauteral insemination process. My body had no eggs to release anymore. And I was actually growing additional cysts because of those hormones. So the doctor advised based on the lack of progress we were making combined with the growth of new cysts that she was seeing in the ultrasound, she advised that we end the journey. And I agreed with her. And so the story starts in November, in early November, 2021, as I planned the autumn harvest dinner that we hosted for my in-laws, I remembered Grand's roles. What that should say is one week after the doctor said we could no longer try to get pregnant with medical assistance and that I would likely never become pregnant on my own, I distracted myself with planning what is called Thanksgiving for my in-laws. And that's when I remembered Grand's roles. I know we're only one sentence into this story, but I'm already going to side note myself. I have such mixed feelings about Thanksgiving. You know, the, the root of Thanksgiving and how that day was created in celebration of murder of indigenous people. Um, it just doesn't sit well in my soul. And that said, as someone whose loved ones are scattered all about the place, I have so many long distance relationships. These big days like, yes, Thanksgiving are some of the only days that we can get together with each other. I don't have a way to reconcile this except for to speak it. So this story starts in early November, one week after the doctor says, Andrea, go home, it's over. And I remembered Gran's roles. Gran is my Aunt Margaret's mother-in-law, Uncle Ed's mom. She didn't have to be my grandmother to call her Gran. That's what everyone called her, at least everyone young enough to be her grandchild. There's a particular level of deference in our culture, and speaking an elder's title is one of those considerations. I hadn't spent much time with Gran, but I remember the gap between her teeth, her high-pitched voice, 
and her roles. If she was coming to one of our family gatherings, my own grandmother would always request her roles and nothing else. They say she was excellent in the kitchen, but I had only had her rolls. She made them small and they were easy to eat. Buttery, light, and there were never enough of them. I hadn't had Grand's rolls in at least 20 years, but they were so memorable that every so often my sister and I would muse. Do you know if anyone has the recipe? I don't know, maybe Auntie so-and-so. So I began searching the internet based solely on my memory of what Grand's rolls looked like. And then I started making a chart of ingredients and measurements. A few days later, I was in regular contact with my sister Danielle and the aunties, my dad's sister, Aunt Margaret, and two of her daughters, Linda and Barbara. Phone, text, apps, trying to reconstruct Grand's recipe. Linda and Barbara are technically my first cousins, but again, deference. Auntie Barbara is Danielle's mom, which makes Danielle my second cousin. But sometimes bloodlines are just a suggestion. She's my sister. No, no, there wasn't any brown sugar. I don't think she used butter flavor shortening. I think it was just butter. Well, did she make it with water or milk? Was there any sugar at all? Your auntie said she let them rise three times and then she cut them out with a mason jar lid. I sent you a picture from a website. They kind of look like that. No, definitely no honey. She did a butter wash before baking them, not an egg wash. She'd keep the oven on while she made them and she would rise them on top of the stove. Gold metal flour, not bread flour. You know her death anniversary is later this month. I don't remember when Grand died. It must have been while I was away at college or maybe out of state working. Maybe I was just too self-involved at the time. Uncle Ed's birthday would be next week, the same day that Uncle Ernest died about five years ago now. Uncle Ed died two years ago, but in March. In our family, we save obituaries religiously. I actually inherited a greeting card organizer from my dad's other sister, Auntie Ophelia, where she started recording everyone's birthdays and death days. She bought it just before she died, so it's incomplete. I added Grand's name to the November anniversaries. After picking apart internet recipes from other people's Southern grandmas, we had a skeleton of a recipe. It must have been recipe gathering night that I had a dream that I was back at my childhood church, St. Patrick's Catholic Church in West Oakland. In the dream, it had been moved from the street where it was to a side street and the rectory where the priest lived had burned down. In my dream, I was saying hello and hugging all these women from church, Miss Bayless, Miss Inola Jones and her daughter, my fellow Capricorn and name twin, Andrea Jones, Miss Lavallis, Miss Emma Brown, the Holloways, Miss Pat and her mom, Miss Bernadette Bills, my godmother, Mama Jackson. I felt so welcomed by the women of my childhood. A couple days later, Aunt Linda sent a picture of a recipe from her mom's 1960s cookbook, Grandma's Rolls by Mrs. C.H. Mayo in Lake Charles, Louisiana. 
Gran was also from Louisiana, just like my father's family. This recipe seemed promising. But here's the thing about the way grandmas share recipes. They act like you already know what you're doing. Add eggs and beat. How much do I beat these eggs? Knead dough gently. For how long? Bake. In what type of pan, glass or metal, and what size? That Friday night around 10.30 p.m., I was laying in bed wondering what texture the rolls would be when I finally made them, and if I could get them as light as grand's. My husband, Sean, was asleep, and our dog, Troy, was snuggled up with him. Savannah, the 15-year-old muted calico kitty, stayed next to my pillow as I climbed out of bed and went downstairs to make the dough. Banana the orange tabby came with me so he could go out and smell the small yard off the kitchen. By 11 p.m., I was kneading the dough on a beautiful butcher block made from Sean's friend's Anthony's father, Paul, who had died just a few days prior. Our own family has a lot of death anniversaries at this time of year as the weather turns cool. My dad, Uncle Charles, Aunt Ophelia, whose son Gino died in the same year, two months prior to her, my grandmother's sister, Aunt Frances, my godmother, Aunt Maxine, who died just a couple months ago, our niece, Nayeli, as well as her grandmothers, Selena and Gloria. I could feel the emotion swelling in me as I needed. It was as if the eternal grandmothers were taking over my hands and body. How many generations of bread meters came before me? How much sustenance has been parsed out over the generations? How many death anniversaries could possibly be on one single day? I began to weep. We're all here. We're needing with you. We're eating with you. We are you. After kneading for about five minutes, I gathered myself and I gathered the dough, put it in a greased bowl, covered it with plastic, and put it in the refrigerator to slowly rise overnight. I'd make another batch in the morning to compare. Grabbing my phone, I wanted to share this moment with someone, so I sent a video to my friend Karen. Leaning my backside against the countertop with the window behind me, I started giggling as if I was intoxicated, telling her about the presence of grandmother energy. Tears streamed down my face as I said, I feel all of them with me right here, right now. The light outside behind me popped on exactly as I said those words out loud. Now, of course, I know the banana turned on the sensor light, probably hunting a salamander, but the timing left me speechless. My laughter and my tears could not be contained. I was just pure emotion. I went to bed satiated. Over the weekend, Karen responded to my video. This sounds like your milk line. They say that we have three lines of ancestry, our bloodlines, our milk lines, and our storylines. As I understand it, the bloodline is obvious, the people who you descend from biologically. Storyline is less obvious, it's the myths and narratives and legends that form us. And our milk line are those who feed us, nurture us, care for us. 
need, rise, punch it down, form, rise, bake, cool, taste. That batch and the second one from Saturday morning were all right. Sister came over to play dominoes and took rolls to the aunties. They weren't bad, but they definitely weren't anywhere close to Grand's. She didn't roll them up like this. One of mine was undercooked. Well, mine are overbaked. It's not bad, but they should be fluffier. Well, when you gonna try again? I was spent. Sunday morning, I had a Zoom with some friends, the hags, one of whom's partner is an avid baker. Do you want me to ask how to make them fluffier? Hell yeah! Less flour, beat the egg well, knead it longer. That made sense. During the week, I watched YouTube videos on fluffy rolls and bread. These folks are kneading their dough for 15 minutes. Well, damn. The following night, research and development continued. So, are we roll testing this weekend? I wasn't going to say anything, but I was wondering. Sister, what's up? Saturday morning, after I walked churro, I made a double batch and kneaded the dough for 15 minutes. Halfway through, I could feel my muscles working and sweat beginning to form in my crevices. I started to hear the spirit of my ancestors in my ear as I needed. Now this is what we're talking about. When you set out an offering to us, we want your sweat, your effort, your sacrifice. It's easy to just take what you've made for yourself and set some on a plate for us and call that an offering. But this, this is soul food. This is something that you do with love and care and you take your time with. When you make an offering to us, make us rolls. I understood that message fully. This is what grandmothers do, or perhaps more accurately, this is what the milk line does. They take their time and take good care. No rushing, full presence of attention with the intention to nourish and shape just how I'm shaping these rolls just like the way all those women at church looked at me and shaped me. Need, rise, punch it down, form, rise, bake, cool, taste. The next batch was delicious and much fluffier. The feedback was minimal this time. They're still darker than what Gran made. She didn't roll them. That's your thing, and that's okay, but hers were not rolled. They're good, though. Why do I remember being able to pull the layers apart? How do we achieve that texture? I had been rolling out a piece of dough into a long triangle with a rolling pin, dotting each piece with butter, and then rolling it up like a cigar. But that's not it. A new plan began to form in my mind, laminating the layers with butter. Here's a dream from my journal. There was a family gathering and Uncle John's family had grandmother locked in a room. I was angry and jealous that she didn't have enough time for me. Last night, I went to bed in terrible pain. My uterus is on fire and I feel lightheaded. I also feel angry at myself for telling myself that things would get better. I gotta lay down. 
The song Aquarius is playing in my head right now. That song is Aquarius, Let the Sun Shine In by The Fifth Dimension. I can't play the song on this podcast, but I'd like to read some of the lyrics. When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will guide the planets and love will steer the stars. Harmony and understanding, sympathy and trust abounding, no more falsehoods or derisions, golden living dreams of visions, mystic crystal revelation, and the mind's true liberation. Aquarius, Aquarius. As I was testing various rising times and techniques, upstairs in the bedroom with the portable heater on, near the window but not too close, covered with a towel, windows closed. I let a half batch rise in the refrigerator overnight. Need, rise. Punch it down, form, refrigerate. The next morning, I took the remaining dough to my cousin Kashina's house in a glass pan instead of the metal pan like I had been using. Kashina's grandfather, my uncle Ernest, and her father, my uncle Robert, died two months apart a few years ago. Robert was my first cousin, and he was buried on my birthday. Kashina and I didn't grow up together and only became close toward the end of her father and grandfather's lives almost 10 years ago. Our relationship has grown into a sisterhood in the recent years. Rise, bake, cool, taste. Aha, metal conducts heat more quickly than glass, which is why the rolls were browning so quickly. And this batch I had formed into little balls instead of rolled up little cigars. But I still wanted to be able to pull the layers apart like I did as a kid. Kushina's kids love them. Her six-year-old daughter, Bella, asked, can you make them again, Auntie Andrea? Later, sister sends me a video message. You remember Miss Carla, Miss Elaine's daughter? Miss Elaine is the neighbor who knit that head wrap for my mom. She's a Louisiana girl. Miss Carla is a well-seasoned chef, and she said you should look into the Danish roll, which is laminated and creates a flaky layered pastry. Checkmate. I must have heard Miss Carla through the ether, but after some research, it appeared that the Danish roll lamination is a butter and flour mixture, which was definitely not what Grand did. But this tidbit confirmed my inclination to do a lamination-like process. During the week, I had another dream about my childhood community, but the details were less clear. I was at my Auntie Ophelia's house, and somehow my current office was in the mix too. Our family business is in digitization. We help families and organizations archive their photos, film, audio cassettes, slides, reel-to-reels, and so on. It was interesting that my aunt showed up at my job in the stream because we started this business many years after her death. Later in the week, a funeral card from one of my grandmother's friends found its way out of a stack of papers. It was from Mary Vieira, one of the few women at our church who was older than my grandmother. The other woman was Miss Rita Serco, who lived with us for a while and eventually sold her house to Aunt Ophelia. In fact, most of the antique furniture that I inherited from my grandmother and aunt was Miss Serco's. She used to sit in the very first pew at St. Patrick's, singing at the top of her lungs in soprano, off key. It was wonderful. The laminated rolls, however, were not. 
They were big, and as Prue and Paul would say on the Great British Baking Show, stodgy. Sean, the aunties, and sister consoled me. But the flavor is there. Mm-hmm, we ate all of them. Well, now we know not to laminate them. You know what we were just singing? Miss Idnola Jones' song from the church. Do you remember it? Sister starts them off and the aunties join in. And just as sure as the sun will rise. It took me a minute to recall the words, but I got there. And there we were, singing together over video recordings of each other. I could feel Miss Jones' presence in that moment. Singing her song took me right back to hearing her sing it live. She was a soprano, on key, and made the best zucchini bread I have ever had. She made loaves by the dozen during autumn and winter, and even shared her recipe with me. When we keep up the traditions that make us feel good, the traditions of the people who make us feel loved and cared for, we honor our relationship with our person, with our people, and oftentimes with our lineages, milk or blood. Some folks call this after-death care, continuing to relate with your loved ones even after death. Light a candle, say their name, pour a little something out from your cup, make their recipes. I feel like I'm beginning to find my role in the family and community. I archive and restore memories, lineage, ancestral wisdom, and recipes. Here's another dream from my journal. Last night's dream was super weird. It ended with me looking at my pad filled with blood. The blood was clotted and started moving like a worm or something, bleeding out life. My blood is the life. I got this. Once again, I made the dough at night. No lamination. I needed for 15 minutes and planned to rise three times, just like Gran. Need, rise, refrigerate. Later that night, I dreamt that I was with a woman who I did not recognize on a patio. She identified herself as one of Gran's descendants and said, you're doing it all wrong. Then she showed me a written version of the recipe. Yes. For real, I saw the recipe in my dream. The patio began to crowd as people came in to taste the rolls. And there she was, my grandmother, Alberta. She gave me a hug and we embraced for a really long time. I could feel her body against mine. She was short and rotund, sturdy and strong, just like she was when she was living. We held hands as the people began to eat the rolls. And grandmother said to me, I like the weight you've gained. I don't like when I can see your collarbone. I woke up before hearing what the people thought of the rolls. And of course I couldn't remember the recipe, but I was in stitches. She doesn't like to see my collarbone. <laughs> punch it down, rise, punch it down, form, rise, bake, Cool. Taste. Glass pan, covered with a towel, not saran, buttered before and after baking. 415 degrees Fahrenheit, but 435 in my oven. They were perfect. Oh, don't mind me. I'm just making rolls again. I'm preparing many other dishes for autumn harvest dinner. 
but the only one I truly care about is the rolls. The dough didn't feel right after kneading for 15 minutes, so I went another five. It felt right. The dough as well as my obsession. I've talked to everyone about these rolls. One friend said I sounded just like her husband, who roll recipe would be shared in her upcoming cookbook. Another friend and I talked about vegan versions, so I can make her a batch when we see each other. Sister's hairdresser's sister-in-law sent over her roll recipe, just in case I needed it. It takes a village. Our 11-year-old nephew, Ugo, Nayeli's older brother, slept overnight with us and helped me in the kitchen, in between him playing video games on his phone. Every few minutes, I'd call out to him, hey, can you set a timer for five minutes? Hey, can you help me measure the flour? He's impressed by the softness of the flour. Hey, will you form a ball with me? He was not as impressed with the dough texture. Rise, punch it down, form, rise, yes, only twice. Bake, cool, taste. He took his first bite and his eyes lit up. That look on his face was all I needed, though I wish Nayeli was here to taste them too. They were best friends, he and his sister, and she died just over a year ago. I'm sure he wishes that she were with him too. Ugo must have eaten 15 rolls that day. He also did not care about anything else that I cooked. I read somewhere that you can sub pineapple juice for the milk and the rolls will taste like King's Hawaiian bread. It would be much easier to just buy King's Hawaiian bread, but there's something in the process of making the rolls that fills me. The kneading, the rising, the waiting, it's alchemical for both the dough and me. I need to knead. But it turns out that I don't have pineapple juice or milk, so I make them with water for the first time. While kneading, I can tell that the dough doesn't feel right, but I'm not sure what's wrong. I knead for 20 minutes, then let them rise. Or not. After an hour, the dough hadn't moved. The yeast was dead. Wondering what happened, I started over. There was that wise inner voice in my ear. You can do your absolute best. And you can hope with all of your heart. Sometimes things just don't work out the way you planned. Nearly two years into the pandemic, grieving the potentiality to become a birth mother, this deeply resonated, and I cried. Some things just don't work out. Yeast dies. Loved ones die. Plans don't work out despite your deepest desires or best intentions. The timing, need, rise, punch it down, form, rise. Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, Vaclav Havel tells us. It is the certainty that something is worth doing, no matter how it turns out. The second batch made with water instead of milk turned out really well. They've even got that soft piece of dough where the two rolls meet. That's the texture I had been trying to recreate. Later, I dreamt that I was at Auntie Ophelia's house. The front of her house was decorated with gospel music cassette tapes. 
The doorbell rang and she asked me to answer it. It was a client dropping off a bag of cassette tapes because in my dream, my aunt is digitizing cassette tapes. The client hands me his bag of tapes and order form. And then he passes me a few dollars and says he'd also like to buy some yeast. I hope enrolls. A well-known blogger just posted a roll recipe from another well-known social media and TV personality, old school dinner rolls. They use a bit more flour than I do and dip the formed rolls in butter instead of brushing the butter, but it's essentially the same recipe. The author and publisher of this roll recipe is also from Louisiana. And it's called Kissing Crust. It's that not laminated, but pull apartable soft bit in between two rolls. Kissing Crust. It turns out this blog was posted in early November, but I was just now seeing it well into December. Huh, the timing. A few weeks passed without any roll baking and my synchronistic dreams reshaped themselves into adrenaline and cortisol producing box office hits with ridiculous plot lines that induced morning headaches. Meanwhile, my husband Sean and I agreed that we drop off rolls to the auntie's Christmas supper, masked and social distance on the 25th. On Christmas Eve, I dreamt that I was volunteering for hospice patients, something I'm planning to do in real life in the new year. I don't remember anything else from that dream, but I woke up feeling good. That morning, Karen messages me that she had a dream in the style of The Matrix. Apparently, I was in this dream. And amid the chaos, I stood up and with a strong voice commanded, Peace! I started mixing the ingredients. Need, rise, punch it down, form. I decided to recreate a tradition from Mardi Gras where a tiny plastic baby is baked into the dough of the king cake. Whoever gets the baby in their slice of cake is responsible for bringing the king cake next year, in addition to religious relevance. Instead of a plastic baby, I tucked three chocolate chips into a piece of dough as I formed the ball, submitting an invocation of a good new year. Later at Auntie Margaret's house, Auntie Linda whirled about the kitchen, getting the food ready, while Aunt Margaret, Aunt Barbara, Sister, and Sean watched the Warriors basketball game. I could hear Aunt Barbara hollering, get the ball, get the ball, get the mother. Sean and I decided to stay, eating at a safe distance in a different room. Rise, bake, cool, taste. Sister commented, oh my gosh, look how the layers of the roll just pull apart kissing crust. And sister found the lucky chocolate chips. At some point during the holiday, cousin Kashina and her family stopped by our house. Bella asked again, Auntie Andrea, can you make those rolls for me? I explained that they took hours to make, so I'd have to plan it out ahead of time. But she didn't understand and looked disappointed. In the later weeks, Research and development continued with a half batch of dough in the freezer. Knead, rise, punch it down, form, freeze. I read that when you thaw the dough, they'd rise naturally in about five hours. Then you bake like normal, 
similar to store-bought frozen rolls. I emailed my writing partner and Sikh brother, Sim, about writing my recipe restoration process. That night, I dreamt that one of his ancestors was watching over my left shoulder as I wrote their family a holiday card. His face and Dasar weren't visible to me, but his presence was so strong. In the dream, I was trying to draw a peace sign on the card, but the lines were crooked. The next day, while driving to a friend's house for a few days in the woods, I called Sim to discuss the dream and who the ancestor could be. Baji, his maternal grandfather. He was a writer and linguist whose principal values were hard work and honesty. Throughout the day, I could feel Baji's spirit. If Sim is your brother and I am his grandfather, then I am your grandfather too. If all of humanity is related, I am everyone's grandfather. I remembered Karen's dream where I stood up and commanded peace. But here in my own dream, I couldn't draw the peace sign accurately. But Baji was quietly watching my efforts. Just like the universal grandmother rising to work with me to make grand's roles, the universal grandfather showed up through Baji to support me as I wrote about it. I held back tears as I drove and had a realization. When Bella asked me to make roles for her, she called me, as she always calls me, auntie. But I've always referred to her as my cousin. Up until that very moment, I kind of thought I only had one niece and one nephew, Sean's sister's kids, Ugo and Nayeli. But many of my cousins and friends' kids call me auntie. Bella was asking me to be her milk line, to feed her, quite literally. She was summoning me into position and telling me my role in her life. Cran and Baji, the ladies from church, sister, the aunties, all supported me as I located my role in the lineage. Certainly as much as I need to need, I myself am needed and am in an apprenticeship with the milk line, research and development as it were. Later at the house in the woods, I took out the frozen dough Thaw, rise, bake, cool, taste. Still delicious. The roll recipe is complete. About a week after we got back from the woods, I prepared Churro for his morning walk and noticed a dollar bill that Sean had left on the countertop. It had been stamped with a purple peace sign. Thank you for listening to Recipes for Grief. You can find more information about today's guest on the podcast page of your player, as well as their recipe card that's available on my website, andreasextondumas.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-S-E-X-T-O-N-D as in donut, U-M-A-S.com. If you'd like to share your recipe for grief, 
Leave a three-minute voicemail at the following number, and your message may be played on a future episode as a listener shout-out. That number is 510-426-6041. That's 510-426-6041. Find me on Instagram and TikTok at Recipes for Grief. And now, here's a little advice from my grandmother. Life isn't easy. You just have to make the best of it. 